Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you guys are all having a great day today. I'm excited to talk to a new friend. Actually, it's kind of interesting the way I got to know this guy. I dug out some deer stands from a neighbor of mine and then put them on Marketplace to sell them. And here comes this guy, Wyatt Wood, to buy these deer stands. And we start talking. Uh, he's a brother in Christ. He plays music. He loves to hunt. He's got some cool work that he's going to tell you a little bit about and life that's uh, going pretty great right now, about to have a baby, just a lot of cool things. So I thought, boy, it'd be cool to get to know this guy a little bit and have him on the show. So I'm talking to uh, the man, Wyatt Wood today. Wyatt, how's it going, man? Man, it's going good. Can't complain at all. It's beautiful outside. It's been a great day. Nothing to complain about. That's good to hear. Tomorrow morning, it's supposed to dip in the weather. Are you going to be out in the woods tomorrow? Tomorrow afternoon, I've got to I've got to work tomorrow morning, um, and I think I'm going to cut out a little bit early. Let the let the wind kind of creep me in into the deer stand tomorrow afternoon. You know, so. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna. I plan on hunting hard this weekend, hunting this cold snap, and uh, ready for next weekend. Our Kentucky's muzzleloader season comes in next weekend, so awesome. um, I actually actually went and went and did a little little trading for a uh, for a new muzzleloader today. So got got to sort that in sometime this weekend. Nice, fun stuff. Well, hey, before we get going any further, let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help here, and then yeah. we'll get to know you a little bit. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask for a blessing on this conversation. I thank you for Wyatt uh, and all that you're doing in his life. I thank you for your hand on his life and uh, pray just for uh, just an awesome conversation. Point us to Jesus and we trust that you're going to. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, man. Why don't you go ahead for the sake of those that are listening in and for my sake a little bit too, as I'm still just kind of getting to know you. Why don't you go ahead and just give us up, uh, bring us up to speed and tell us who you are. Tell us a little bit about your family and then what it is that you do. Yeah, so uh, 20, uh, 24 years old. Uh, actually, turned twenty five next Saturday. Um, I am uh, am married uh, to my beautiful wife Hannah Claire. Um, we met in Nashville. Actually, um, she was a a fashion designer down there, and um, I was messing around with music for a little bit, and we got mutual friends, kind of hooked us up together and we went out on a couple dates and lo and behold, we fell in love and got married and now we got a baby on the way. So, um, <laughs> it's, uh, sometimes it just works out perfect. And, uh, you know, that's couldn't be happier with that and how, how, you know, how life pointed me in that direction. Uh, I'm, uh, working for a rather large outdoor company, um, Higdon outdoors. I just recently, left the agriculture world, um, to, to move over into the, the outdoor world, um, as a, as an account manager for them. Um, absolutely love my job. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing like waking up every day and not dreading driving to work. Um, and I honestly, that was one of my biggest fears growing up was, um, was getting into a job that I just wasn't, I didn't feel driven with. I didn't feel, um, you know, I didn't feel that that it was challenging me in a way that uh, would make me a better person after after I left that job. Um, and this one does does everything of that and more. Um, I always knew that that I wanted to be in sales of some kind, but 
um, for the longest time, uh, I actually come for, you know, jumping back a little bit to my family. Um, I come from a long line of teachers. Um, okay. Nearly everyone in my family is, is a teacher um, of some degree. My, my grandfather kind of started it off. My dad's dad um, started it off back in, back in the mid 1900s, really. Um, he, uh, he started teaching vocational agriculture here in McCracken County, Kentucky. Okay. And uh, kind of started a tradition with that. And um, my dad fell along with his and his footsteps, you know, with, with vocational agriculture comes, um, you know, FFA and, and uh, you know, competitions and um, just being dipped and dyed in the agricultural world, so to speak. But um, my dad has done that for the last 20 some odd years and is actually on his way to retirement as we speak. Oh, cool. uh, I think he's going to go another year possibly less than that so um and for the longest time that was that was my plan was to continue the the wood family tradition of of being an ag teacher so okay um, but i got to my my final semester final semester at murray state university um and i start it was just right after i'd gotten married and me and my wife had a conversation of you know is is that career going to make you happy is that career going to drive you to um you know, make the decisions for our family that you need to make. And, and I couldn't answer it. And, and I, I felt like that whatever career I dove off to into next um, and actually made a career out of needed to be one of those things that I felt like, you know, this, this feels right. This is, this is what right. I need to be doing. Right. And um, so I up and changed my major at the last minute as some do and ended up going to a different route and, Stuck with my idea of, of going into into sales and actually worked for a couple of big seed companies for a while. Worked for Monsanto, worked for Syngenta, um, actually up in Illinois for, for a oh, long really? time. Okay. When I was when I was with uh, with Monsanto, I was I was with a company called uh, Climate Field View, which is a subsidiary of, of of Monsanto. It's more on their GPS tracking side and, okay. and uh, um, worked from everywhere from Peoria, Illinois, down to Metropolis. So I had oh, I had gotcha. quite a bit of ground had quite a bit of ground to cover with that job, but, um, I mean, you meet some incredible people through that because I mean, we all really, in in this world, I mean, there's very few careers that you can meet people that, that think the same way that you do, that believe mm-hmm. the same ways that you do. And, um, and really have an appreciation for the little things in life. And, and that's what I appreciated so much about, you know, this transition into the outdoor world, because there are so many people that are in this industry now, especially, that are trying to get away from the, you know, modernization of your everyday life and trying to, you know, revert back to, all right, let's, let's focus on what matters. Yeah, that's you know, let's, good. let's focus on the simple, simple things. So, um, grew up with a big family, um, have, have four, four brothers. Um, my poor mother, I don't know how she did it, <laughs> but she, uh, um, she raised four, four very, very large, strong men. Um, and my poor mother, she's, she's only, I would say five foot four on a good day. Okay. And, uh, the rest of us, the rest of us are well over six foot tall. So she looks very, very small compared to the rest of us, you know, but, um, you know, grew up great family life, grew up in church, um, have been the song leader there at my congregation for the last well over, I guess it's been 15 years now is, is wow. how long I've been the song leader there. And, uh, which is a long time to be a song leader. Uh, yeah, but no kidding. That kind of that uh that moves into you know how all my music got started was you know it 
I had a, I had a passion for it from a, a very young age. You know, the story keeps going and going and going, but that's actually how my parents, how my parents met to begin with was through right. music. There's a little, little country music, you know, show that still goes on to this day up in Draftonville, Kentucky. It's called the Kentucky Opry. And my mom was actually a um, backup singer there. Um, oh, that's back cool. In the, back in the late, late 80s, early 90s. Very cool. And uh, my dad, um, he had his own band, was doing the whole wanting to be Garth Brooks, you know, wanting to be George Strait type thing. And, um, and they actually met at that, at that country music show. And as they say, the rest is history. So um, <laughs> awesome. they, uh, they kind of gave up music. At, at one point to, uh, to decide to settle down and start having kids. And, um, it was just one thing that I picked up where they picked, you know, let off and, um, still use his old sound equipment that weighs 700 pounds and oh, man. still haul it all over the place. So, well, that's very oh, yeah. cool. Good stuff. Well, we'll get into more of that here in a minute, but I want to rewind yep. just a couple minutes. You were in Murray state. Sounds like about the exact same time that John Morant was there. Is that right? Um, so he had actually left, let me see here. So I started at, at Murray state back in 20, end of 2017, beginning of 2018. Okay. Um, and I believe that he had just, he had just left to go to NBA. I'm not positive on that. Okay. I'm not a huge basketball guy. I've always, I've always been football and baseball and, um, basketball was just, I wasn't coordinated enough, although I was tall, I just, wasn't coordinated enough to play it. So I never paid much attention to it. So gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you, you grew up in a teacher family and an ag family. Uh, sounds like you grew up outside. So did you also grow up hunting then from an early age? Is that something that's been always been a part of your life? Yeah. Um, so I was fortunate enough to grow up on a farm myself and, um, we had, um, you know, growing up, we've had over, over 150 huntable, what I call huntable acres. Um, on on one location and uh it's one of those things it's like you know some kids just don't don't know how how to live like that um i mean and i i don't know how it how would have been how i would have grown up hunting you know public land or or anything like that because i just i was fortunate enough to have um have my own you know right out my back door so awesome um i grew up you know deer hunting heavy this is a huge our farm is actually the highest point in our county so we're surrounded by a ton of bottomland all around our our main hunting ground and um and it just during the rut man it's it's crazy how how those deer will start trafficking up those hills and then moving back down so you got to kind of be at the right spot at the right time but um i mean it's it's incredible the turkey turkey population just in the last last two or three years has absolutely exploded i think i had 25 25 poults this year alone mm. um was out was out in the field uh not two weeks ago deer hunting and um over the horizon i had my binoculars out and saw a group of 30 30 uh yearling jakes walk across the field oh man and i was great. like you know i was like having there's not a whole lot of places in western kentucky that you can say that you've got that many turkey you know so um and my brothers and I, we've we've kind of decided that that we're going to start really treating it like a, you know, a, a legit hunting property versus just you know walk out in the field and start shooting whatever you can shoot kind of right. thing. Right. Um, because we want to have, I mean, this this one farm in particular, we want to uh, one day be able to say, okay, you know, these are the deer that we've got. That this year we're gonna we're gonna cull, you know, this deer, this deer, this deer. 
um, you know, we're going to give it, give it a few years to let them build up. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how much, how much work this year alone that we've put into, you know, cutting trails and um, hanging deer stands and, and putting feeders out and, you know, trying to, trying to really make that property the best that it can possibly be when it comes to hunting. But um, so deer hunting was probably my first love. Okay. And then moved in, moved into turkey hunting, fell in love with that. Um, and then in the most recent years, of course, with me being in Western Kentucky, you know, Ballard County, Kentucky used to be the waterfowl capital of the year. Oh, of the okay. World, you know, and um, it was just back when my dad was, was young and I've never seen it like what it used to be. But when my dad was a kid, um, people would come from, from all over. I mean, the people from Canada would come here. Oh, really? Just to hunt, you know, Canada geese um, because it was just that good at that time. But um, nowadays you have to be, you know, I like to say you have to be a pretty, pretty good hunter to be able to kill, you know, a mallard, a mallard drake down in Ballard County, just because okay. there's the few that are there and we have birds. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you just really have to be good at what you're doing. And, yeah, um, right. you know, some people, waterfowl has, has probably taken over my life in the last, in the last 10 years, just from the fact that I've been surrounded by it. Um, yeah, all throughout right. high school, that was, that was the thing. I mean, we would, we would show up late to school just because we wanted to go hunt for an hour and a half before school started. So, um, and, and after that, you know, and now I'm, I'm right in the middle of it again with a career that, um, that's, that's literally driving me more so in love with it just because I'm surrounded by it all the yeah. time. So, um, man, it's just, uh, it's, it's a great industry. Yeah, it's cool stuff. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow up hunting. I did grow up around the woods and now I'm doing this podcast and it's primarily for pastors and Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to pastors and then to men in general. And I've had several episodes now where I've talked about hunting and how I've loved it and how I really, you know, at middle age realized, man, where's this been my whole life kind of thing. And so I'm just now, you know, three or four years into this and enjoying every, you know, every minute of it. And I've already learned so much. I feel like that that hunting itself, just the process of it, the the process of of learning uh, the species, the process of of even field dressing an animal, and after you you know you process it and get it in the freezer, there's just so much that goes into it. Even in just the the simple things of life, when it comes to things like provision, being able to provide for my family, there's just so much to it and pieces yep. to it that I love. You know, for you as you reflect back you may not even be able to answer this. I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing a curveball at you here, but what are some of the ways you growing up in the woods hunting and then now with waterfowl, like how has it trained you up into being the man you are today? What role has it played in helping you when it comes to even like discipline, when it comes to, I don't know, just in any way that you can think of that this has really helped me be who I am today or be a better man because this has been a part of my life. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a great question. Um, you know, growing up with, with as many brothers as I did, you know, I had to, it was always one of those things that we were always in competition with one another. And, and it was, it was friendly competition. It wasn't like, you know, cutthroat by any means because we would have been spanked as, as hard as you could possibly be spanked as, as a, you know, a son. But um, it's just, we were, we, we grew up in a household that we were taught to respect everything. Mm-hmm. And we were taught to respect life in general, um, whether that be, 
whether that be, you know, a human being, whether that be a, a squirrel, a rabbit, whatever. I mean, we were taught to respect the, just the essence of life in general. And, and that's one of the main things that I appreciate most. And what I think, you know, when it comes to the people that are anti-hunting, I think they, they are that way because they did not get the opportunity to grow up and, you know, have someone show them and have someone teach them that aspect of life. Right. Um, you know, I, I go back to my, my answer to, um, to the age old question of why do you hunt? You know, why that, that deer didn't do anything to you. You know, God specifically put these animals on this earth mm-hmm. to feed us. Right. And he, he wouldn't have done it if he didn't plan on us using it. Yeah. Um, good. N- now there's, there's people out there that, that will use them improperly, um, you know, poachers, etc. But growing up, we were always taught that if you kill something, you're going to give it the respect enough to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that was one of those things that was like, you know, from a very un- young age, I've, I always thought that that was very impressive that my, my grandparents and my dad both taught um, and really impressed upon myself and my brothers that you don't just go out to the woods and, and start shooting, shooting, you know, stuff just to shoot. Yeah. Um, you know, hunting is, is you have to have a purpose behind it. Um, and I think, I think that gets lost in translation sometimes, but um, I was always grateful that there was, you know, there was people in my life and, and men, especially that were very avid hunters from a young age mm-hmm. that had to hunt, you know, to feed their families. I mean, there's, you know, Western Kentucky, there's parts of Western Kentucky that are, are very poor areas. And yeah. I have, I have family that, you know, growing up during, during the great depression. Um, I mean, that's literally how they survived was, was going out and hunting and, and putting up meat for their families. And, and on the flip side, you know, growing whatever they could possibly grow themselves, whether it be, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, vegetables in the garden or, or cattle or hogs or whatever it was. And, um, you know, I've always had a deep respect for, for that. And I feel like, you know, having that in the back of my mind when I'm hunting, um, notice I don't say killing because I don't always kill anything, but, mm-hmm. um, hunting, you know, you, you get a, a deeper appreciation for the, the hobby that it is. I mean, yeah. because I feel like, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of ways that it's not, it's not a necessity anymore. Um, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, you, with the, with as easy it is to get on your cell phone mm-hmm. and order whatever groceries that you need from Kroger or Walmart or wherever <laughs> else yep, and have it hand delivered to your front porch and never have to leave your house. I mean, we live in a world of, you know, hunting is not a convenience. Yeah. It's, it's hard work. It takes a lot of planning, um, here in your hands or have it hanging up on a, on a hook, you know, and, and skinning it and cutting up that meat yourself. Um, and nothing against people that, you know, take their, take their deer or whatever else to a processor. I've done it before. Um, but my dad worked in a butcher shop when he was young and, Oh, that's cool. Um, that was one of the things that he always taught us was like, you know, there's no sense in taking it somewhere when you can, you know, you can put in the work yourself to do it. So, yeah, that's awesome. you know, work ethic, work ethic is probably the main thing that, that I feel like that I've taken from that because okay. like, like I said a second ago, it's, it's hard work and, mm-hmm. and you have to be, you have to have that mindset of like, you know, why am I doing this? Am I just doing this for the, the sake of, of killing something or if I'm, am I doing it to provide for my family? I mean, put meat, put meat in the freezer that I'm going to eat all winter long. So I don't have to go to the grocery store, you know? And, yeah. Um, yep. 
there's there's so many different lessons that you can learn that you can learn from from hunting. That's good. I grew up playing sports, and I thought when I would have children, and now that we got two boys, I thought it would be sports, 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 basketball, baseball, and then maybe even football one day. And as I've gotten older, I haven't enjoyed sports the way I thought I would, and I've so much more enjoyed teaching my children and going out and, and fishing. And we're getting ready to start this new program called Trail Life, which is like a basically everything that Boy Scouts was good at when they started to get crazy and weird the last decade or so. Trail Life right. stepped in and now they're building programs that are very similar to what Boy Scouts used to be. And I'm really hoping That's that awesome. that that takes off with with my boys and then to get them in the woods with me is just something that, you know, has been so, so great. And so a lot of the things that I thought I would be teaching them through sports I plan on teaching them through being in the woods and, and being out and, uh, and hunting and fishing. It's just been, been a lot of fun. So now you started off chasing whitetail, then you're now get into waterfowl last 10 years or so. And that's primarily what Higdon does is waterfowl. Um, so you're in sales with that. So, I mean, are you out in the field as well? Are you getting to, to get out there and hunt with some of those guys or get, you know, is that a part of your life is, are you actually getting to hunt for work as well? Or is it primarily, you know, phone calls, emails, talking to people, marketing, all that kind of stuff. Primarily of my job is, uh, is spent behind a computer um, okay. or on a phone with, with being an account manager. Um, I have roughly 300 plus, you know, accounts throughout the, the U S and Canada, um, that I specifically handle, you know, from every part of making sure that they get their shipments on time to, taking new orders to traveling to our, you know, buy group shows and meeting with them in person, traveling to their stores, talking to them in person, trying to, you know, build that sort of, of, of relationship with them, trying to get, um, you know, cause that's honestly, that's, that's what everything's about now is, is yeah. building relationships with people. Then you bet. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not in, in this career. It's, it's very different than the ag world as far as sales goes. Um, because, you know, back when I was in sales in the ag world, it was all about getting out in the field, all okay. about going and riding with people, um, you know, riding in the tractors, talking to the guys. This job is, is, is that, but it's so, it's a lot more. It's like, you have to be, you have to be more tech savvy almost because this is, you know, Higdon is such a large company now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yes, it is still a family owned business, but we're an international company. I mean, we do, it's we do phenomenal. business all over the world. So, and I, I mean, like I said, I just got hired with them back in June of this year. Um, and when I got hired, I honestly thought it was a joke because I didn't think that there was a snowball's chance that I was going to get that I was going to get that position because there was just so many people that, that wanted had it. applied for that. Gotcha. Yeah, I think there was only there was over like 150 applicants for that job. Oh, man. And uh, I was I had no previous experience in, in outdoor sales whatsoever. And. I just, I went in and, you know, pleaded my case and talked, you know, it, it helped pretty much. It really, really what sold it, I, I feel like was that, you know, my front door is only six minutes from headquarters. Okay. So, nice. um, which is not, not a bad thing when it comes to paying for fuel every month, but no, I just, like I said, it's, uh, it's one of those careers that it's like, you know, you're going to be able to grow with, but at the same time, you know, going into this job, I did not let myself get the expectation of like, okay, you know, they've got their TV show They you know, they've got Higgin Outdoors TV. I did not go in with the preconceived notion of 
hey, I'm going to be on that TV show. Right. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be... I, I'm going to be the front man, you know, going out hunting and getting all the, the free sick of gear and the free guns and all this stuff. But, you know, I feel like that, that, that sort of thing is, is earned, not mm-hmm. given. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely a perk to the job. I'm not saying that it, that it won't ever happen and it hasn't ever happened. Um, but it's not, it's not the main gist of what I do. Um, yeah. I mean, my job really is just handling the, the main, you know, dealers, the customers that we do have, um, and making sure that they get, you know, the product that they're wanting to get. So, yeah, well, I think that's a lot of what the twenties decade is for young guys that are out there, you know, in the grind of work, it's character development, it's creating a really, a a relational, you know, talk about building relationships. It's about building, you know, character and then being able to see the character that's developing in you and work ethic. And then, you know, building those relationships and a lot of things that that happen for guys in their 30s, late 30s, into their 40s and 50s, just build on everything that was laid in that foundation in that first decade of just getting out there and doing what they have to do, whatever it is. And uh, so it sounds like you're in a good spot. Now, you mentioned the TV show. Where can people find more information? Because if, if they're like, man, hey, outdoors, I want to check this out. I want to go look at this. I mean, I know on YouTube, I'm subscribing on YouTube now, but uh, where can people find yep. more information about, I guess, I guess the website and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so uh, on our on our Higdon Outdoors website, it's HigdonOutdoors.com. Um, we actually have three different three different brands that are on, under the umbrella of Higdon Outdoors. There's uh, um, Higdon Outdoors, you know, decoys, which consist of all of our our waterfowl decoys, duck, goose, um, turkey, and then we have Momarsh, uh, which is our um, our blinds, our you know our blinds brand. Um, you know, we have multiple different waterfowl blinds we have dog blinds um you know invisigrass we have tons of products under that under that brand um the website for that one is uh momarsh.com that's m-o-m-a-r-s-h.com and then the third one is our power calls uh brand and under that under that brand that that consists of all of our premium duck calls all of our acrylic duck calls um, same with goose. And then as well now, now that we've, uh, you know, Bo Brooks has come on, on scene with us. Um, he's got his own signature Turkey call line out. So, um, oh, man, that's cool. we're really, we're really moving in, you know, trying to move in several different directions. Um, I mean, I'm not a part of the marketing team by any means. Um, but being in sales, you know, you get to see, you get to see that product move firsthand. So it kind of gives you a, you know, a really good idea of, of, you know, what's going out and what's coming in. Um, but the, uh, the power calls website for those that are listening is uh, power dash calls.com. And, um, the power calls business was actually started by, um, you know, Kelly powers down at, at final flight in Martin, Tennessee. Um, he's a three-time world's goose calling champion, um, one champion of champions in goose calling, um, and really, really took that world by storm. And, um, and we're still to this day, you know, coming up with, with new, with new calls, new products and, always, always trying to, you know, be innovative in the, in the outdoor world and try to try to sell the best product that we can. So, um, it's, uh, it's a great, you know, great job. It's a great, great world to be in. Sweet. I'll make sure and put those links in the show notes if anybody is interested in checking those out. 
It's awesome. Um, okay, let's switch gears a little bit again because you're wearing multiple hats. So you're, you know, husband, father, you work work at Higdon, and you're also doing this music stuff. And mm-hmm. you've done pretty well. Got to open some, do some pretty cool things with your music. And uh, tell us a little bit about that, and then I'll put some links in the show notes to that as well, and send some people over. Uh, to listen to you, but you're doing some country music and getting to do some pretty cool stuff. So, I mean, you've been singing in church. If you, I was trying to do the numbers, if you're 24 now and we're doing that since you were 15, so you've been singing at church now since, I mean, you were pretty young and singing for a yep. long time. So it's in the, ran in the family. So now like where, where are you at today? I mean, if, if we just Google Whitewood, what's going to come up, we're going to see some videos. We're going to see you at some concerts. I mean, what, what do you got going on? Honestly, in, in my head, it looks a lot bigger than it actually is, probably. I mean, I've got to meet a lot of cool people. You know, growing up around the music industry, you get to meet people. You get to talk to people. Um, as far as working with anybody, I've never really dove off into into that world of, you know, really working with somebody about music. Roger, I guess the biggest biggest guy that I ever got to uh, really sit down and, and talk about music with and try to get a plan together was uh was roger miller's son he's a he's a big time music producer in nashville tennessee right now and honestly the biggest and this is this is just a pride thing i really feel like but the biggest thing that has kept me from working with a production company in nashville up to this point is my thought on stepping off into that world was you know i believe in my music and I want the person or the persons that I'm working with to believe in my music just as much. Gotcha. Um, and the way that some of those production deals go, um, you know, they want you to foot the bill up front and then, you know, get you to pay back. You know, they'll pay you back after you start making money. Okay. And the thing is, it's like, you know, growing up, I was like, I was, I was paying my own bills, you know, from, from 16 on. I mean, nobody bought me a vehicle. Nobody paid for my college. Nobody paid for my cell phone. Um, and that was a responsibility that, that we knew, you know, growing up that we were going to have. That was just with four boys in the family. It was just, it's, you know, it's one of those things that they wanted to teach us work ethic and the things that we bought and the things that we, you know, acquired, we had to get on our own kind of thing. And I mean, my parents are, helped, helped us along the way, no doubt whatsoever, but they taught us, you know, it's important to, to make a living and it's important to make, um, you That's know, great. to get, get where you want to go, you know, by your own sweat and blood and tears sort of thing. But um, with music thing, I always thought that if, if a production company believed, believed in my music enough, then money would never be in op, you know, wouldn't be in the, in the conversation. I mean, I've tried out for, tried out for the voice. I've tried out for American, American idol um, and have, have never really, you know, move further into that, into that scene. TikTok really has, has been my platform oh, in, the last, okay. uh, in the last few, few years, ever since that really, you know, exploded, I've got more followers and more, you know, likes and views and stuff on TikTok than I do any other social media platform. Okay. Just because I felt, I feel like there's that, you know, there's so many more people using that platform now and the music industry, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, I'm not going, I'm not the type of guy that's going to go out and play all the honky tonks and bars. That's just, that's not my scene. I've never, I've never felt that was, that was where I needed to be. 
Um, so I just stayed, I completely stayed away from that. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't from not getting invited to play those places. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just one of those things. It was like, that was a, that was a personal decision that I, you know, thought was like, you know, that's, that's not where, that's not where I need to be as, as a human being, as a person, right. um, as a Christian, I didn't feel like that that was, that was a bad example, you know, to set. So, um, I stayed away, away from that, but, um, every other opportunity that I've had, um, I try to, I try, try to take advantage of with music. I mean, it could be a wedding. It could be uh, a little restaurant in town. It could be somewhere in Nashville that needs, needs an opener for somebody. Um, you know, it could be anything. I mean, I tried to do my due diligence and, 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 and go out and sing as much as I possibly can when I have time to, you know, especially now with, with everything else that's going on. Yeah. Um, but one cool thing that actually came about from TikTok. Um, one, one great thing that I have to, to thank that platform for is um, back in July of this year, um, I had the opportunity to go down to right outside of Nashville and open for the Oak Ridge Boys. Yeah, that's um, cool. That was probably the coolest experience that I've ever had. Um, you know, everyone there, that the age range of the people there was probably, you know, the mean was probably 60 years old, but I didn't care. <laughs> that's um, awesome. I mean, it's, uh, you know, playing for that many people on a stage of that size um, and having all your friends and family there to support you, you know, it, it, it doesn't get <laughs> better so than cool. that. So, um, but uh, honestly, with, with the music, with the music, you know, side of things goes, I, I focus more solely on, on writing now, especially okay. um, just because that's, that's the, the avenue that I think that I have the most passion for and the most time for. Yeah. Um, and you know, people in the music industry, they rely on writers every single day. Okay. Um, and you know, they're, they're constantly needing the new song to come out so they can, they can cut a record of it, you know? And, um, I mean, I, I hope to one day be, be in the room with some people that I can sit down and write some, write some incredible stuff with. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've got, I've got a huge, just three ring binder of nothing but you know verse to a song or a chorus to a song or a verse in a chorus or something like that and um really i mean at this point in the game all i need is is more people to sit down with and and write that stuff out um, gotcha so it's uh that that dream um it's still there but it is it's moved down on priority list a few a few notches since uh since i was married and um i mean it's i'm not i'm not 21 anymore and i don't have a I don't have a lot of, lot of spare time, especially with a baby on the way. So, yeah. Um, but, but that dream's still there and you know, who knows what could happen. I mean, people get discovered on, on social media every day. And um, I can't tell you how many people that, that I've known through social media that now have huge recording contracts with, you know, big time places in Nashville. And um, it's just, uh, you keep going until somebody tells you to stop. So, yeah. Well, I think that whole priorities thing, man, when you have all these hats that you're wearing and as your responsibilities grow and build and as opportunities come, it is so interesting, kind of what I was talking about before, that you get opportunities a decade you know, later, like in your mid-30s that you didn't get in your mid-20s. It seems like things right. just fall in your lap and you're like, my goodness, I, I can't believe this is, this is here. And then, you know, that happens again, you know, the next decade. And, and now all your buddies have moved higher up in different, you know, organizations and companies and they're hiring people and they're not working for people anymore because they're the CEO and, and then opportunities just come. 
And, you know, as you're doing the right thing and making the right priority list and, and doing, you know, taking care of your family first, you know, working hard, honoring the Lord, and who knows what could unfold in the future or what could come, you know, yeah. in the future and just take one yeah. day at a time and do, do the right thing. And, uh, you know, I have a buddy of mine that always encouraged me. He's like, man, God's will is found in the obedience of the moment. Just obey Christ today and obey God's word today, honor him. And then, you know, the next day do the same thing. And it's amazing what, you know, you look back and you realize, man, God has been so faithful. Look what he's done. And, uh, and you're getting to see some of that already, but it's cool stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to connect the dots here. Cause again, I've got a, a, just a, a bunch, mostly men that are listening in and pastors and, and connecting the dots here to some of your story about, you know, enjoying your work. You talked about earlier, you know, you wanted to have something that you enjoyed and, you know, there's going to be elements with this job that you have that you're always going to, that work is still work. There's still going to be some days you're thinking like, gosh, I don't want to make that drive. I don't want to make that call that I don't want to shoot that email off to that guy who's upset or angry or something like that. I, so there's still going to be days that are difficult. But one of the things I want to encourage pastors with is uh, why I can't tell you how many people I know and guys that I've, I've talked to who are just miserable. And especially the last couple of years in ministry. And it's probably like this in so many different fields where just the joy of life it's almost like it just went away. You got churches that are struggling and all this kind of stuff. And so, man, I want to encourage you guys, even in listening to this episode, to, man, fight for joy, you know, enjoy the work that God's called you to. You don't want to spend 20, 30, 40 years in ministry or really in anything, just barely getting by and not enjoying the work that God has given you. So enjoy the work and then trust the Lord in timing. I'm trying to think through here piece of different pieces, like with your music, you know, I've, I've listened to some of your stuff and it's clear that you've got talent and that, that you've got a gift that God has given you. And, you know, you measure gifts and talents of people who, you know, quote unquote, make it in the music industry or, or guys that don't. And it's like, well, what's the difference here? Because this guy, this guy's yeah. got it, got these giftings and talents and abilities and this guy, or so what's the, what's the variable here of why one is, is doing this and the other guy isn't, and you can't control that, you know, uh, get better and get better every day. And then just see what ends up happening. But anyways, this has been a lot of fun talking, and I think the guys listening in, they're smart enough to be able to connect the dots to, to their life and, and what God's doing in their life. Here's the deal, man. Every interview, I talk to people at the end, and I bring them to this last point, and I try to ask this question to everybody. I've forgotten a few times along the way, but what I do is I set people up to praise God for his grace, okay? So, so I'm going to ask you a question, and the, the, the question is intentionally ask for, for you to turn your attention to how gracious God has been to you, and really just end with praising God for his mercy upon us. Uh, so why it would brother, why is it that you love Jesus so much? I'll tell you, you know, as many, as many good things that, that we've listed off that I feel like has happened to me in the last three or four years, you know, there has been, you know, growing up, there were so many things that would have been a surefire example of why I should have just quit. You know, why should I, why I should have just given up? At, at 13, my younger brother was diagnosed with, uh, with leukemia, which took my parents, took my parents away from me from, from age 13 to age, you know, 15. Um, they basically lived in Vanderbilt Children's Hospital with him. Oh, wow. And, you know, that was, you know, at 13 years old, 12, 13 years old, that, uh, that's the, the one period of time that you really need your parents. Right. And, you know, that, that really created a lot of, a lot of jealousy, a lot of animosity, um, a lot of anxiety and depression. Um, I mean, I, I cannot tell you the amount of men, especially today, that deal with anxiety and depression mm -hmm. and 
get no help for it. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a man. We don't need help. Right. I, I beg to differ. I think, I think the men, especially in the, in the church mm-hmm. need extra help. And it's one of those things. It's like, we all deal with different things. Right. Uh, I lost, I lost my grandfather who was the, the preacher at our church and uh, lost my grandfather when I turned, when I turned 14. So it was like right in the middle of, of my yeah, brother having tough. leukemia. And, you know, as a teenager, you know, I was, I was baptized when I was nine years old. Some people thought it was really young. You know, at, at that point in my life, I was fully convinced that it was, it was time for me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thank God every single day that I started that walk of life early uh, because if I hadn't have, and I would have gone through what I went through as a teenager, mm-hmm. there's no possible way that I would still be a faithful Christian today. There's no mm-hmm. way because I would not have had the foundation that I had at that age. You, you want to talk about God's grace. Um, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, I dealt with crippling crippling anxiety and depression and it was it got severely uh beyond point beyond the point that i could fix it on my Mm. own um and it took it took my mom and my dad both uh dragging me to get help to actually realize the fact of hey i don't have to do this by myself i'm not doing this by myself yeah um and you know that period of time really made me understand more fully about, you know, just how awesome the love that Jesus offers to each of us. I mean, yeah. it's, it's insane that, that anybody in this world could, could pick up the Bible and read it and understand that anything that we're going through cannot be solved by, you know, the love of, of Christ. And, um, I mean, you know, I can do all things through Christ that, that scripture alone stuck with me so, so much during that period of time, because, you know, I've, I've done, I've done a lot of cool things in my life growing up to this point. And, and I'm still, I'm still, you know, super young in a lot of people's eyes. I don't feel young anymore, but, um, you know, I've gotten to do a lot of I've gotten to experience a lot and meet a lot of people. And the one thing that has been consistent through all that period of time is God. Yeah. And that's great. And I don't think a lot of people really take the time to step back and, and appreciate that. Now that now that my first child, a little girl in January, um, you know, it, it makes you really stop and, and just think constantly about um, you know, how good how good you've got it. Yeah. Um, and it's not thanks to us. I mean, yeah, sure. You know, we do, we do things here on earth to, to make life easier for us. Um, uh, we also do a lot of things to make life difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, knowing, knowing that my child will grow up in a, in a household that, that respects God, mm-hmm. that loves him and that understands the sacrifices that Jesus made makes me a little, you know, it, it gives me the confidence to become a father yeah. is, is the easiest way to put it. That's Honestly, good, man. So that's the easiest way to put it. So. That's amazing. And you're stepping into a season of life. That's incredible. You know, we've got three kids and hoping for more 
And uh, I tell you what, God has a way when a man gets married and a man and one wife come together, the two become one flesh. And then God has a way of revealing some things that need to change in the man and in the woman. And, and then when kids come along, God has a way of using those children too to grow us as dads, as far as men and reveal things in us that need to change. And we run to Christ and we want to obey and honor him. And, and, uh, and it's a blast along the way. I mean, it's so much fun. So man, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for being willing to make this happen. We've been trying to do this for like a month now. So I'm glad we were able to finally nail this down and get this done. But, uh, but anyways, I'll have all those links in the show notes and thanks so much, everybody. We have been talking to Wyatt Wood. Wyatt, thanks so much for coming on the show, brother. Absolutely. I appreciate the invite. Thanks so much for listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. For more information, go to theshepherdscrook.co.